Okay, workaround complete. <laughs> Yay! And, Yay, uh, which yes. is just do it the old way. Do it the 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 old way, yes. But not the old old way because that was just us on Skype. <laughs> yeah, no, that we'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we doing it live already? That's the old 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 way. <laughs> yeah, let's all get together and sit around a handy mic. That's the old way, right? No, no, right. no, not the old 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 way. <laughs> please, please, no handies. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that doesn't know how to take a long break. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yeah, we're going to drop this episode just a few days after our uh, 10th anniversary episode because we wanted to kind of get back onto a normal uh, recording schedule. And because we actually have something very special to talk about, and that was Warhammer Fest Online and all the new releases that have been revealed over the last week. Uh, and so this is going to be just a short episode. We're only going to be talking about this effectively news and new releases section. We've got no listener mail this episode. We'll have uh, a brief hobby progress, but, uh, this one should clock in at an hour or so. So not as long as our normal ones, but this way we can drop it to you quickly and then get back onto our two week schedule with, uh, all the, uh, regular releases and, Possibly new codexes and such dropping soon, but uh, so let's just get right into it. So since we recorded our 10th anniversary episode, there's been a few things that have been announced and not even just in uh, Warhammer Fest online, but uh, we also had a couple of things beforehand. So a couple of things in to mention is first off, while this hasn't, I don't I don't think this has been officially announced yet. It was apparently released via GW's trade site, which is how they communicate to like their distributors and such. We have the Adeptus Mechanicus Combat Patrol, which is basically yeah. the replacement for the start collecting boxes. And we know Adeptus Mechanicus is coming soon. We don't have a release date on it yet. But uh, this box, which, is, again, should be in that same $140 price point as the other combat patrols, is a Tech Priest Engine Seer, 10 Skatari Rangers or Vanguard, however you wish to make them, 3 Catafron, either Destroyers or Breachers, again, full sprues, so build them however you'd like, and then an Onager Dune Crawler, which, I'm not, see, what are the prices on the combat patrols in pounds? Because I only have the price for all the individual components in pounds right now. So, combat patrols. Uh, I should look on the the UK site. That makes more sense. Does it? I, I would think so. Okay, so the combat patrols are 85 pounds in the UK. And the Mechanicus combat patrol, the contents weigh in at 127 pounds. Thanks. That's so, heavy. So, it's... Not those pounds. Pound sterling, you fool. Pound sterling! <laughs> but, but I don't uh, know how much pound sterling weighs. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> a pound of sterling silver? I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, go on. Continue. No, no. I... <laughs> no, no. No, go. go. Go on. Be jerks. It's okay. No. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, so that let's see, 127. That's about 177 dollars for 140 bucks. So you're effectively getting the character for free, and of course, I, that doesn't take into account the actual pricing differences. Outside of conversion factor for U.S. versus U.K. release prices, but and that's that typically seems like what the combat the price for these combat patrols are. They're usually you know a ten to twenty percent discount on things, so that kind of seems like it's right in ballpark line. Yeah, you know, and you're getting a you're getting a couple of units, you're getting a vehicle, you're getting a character. So like that's you know this seems kind of falls right in line with some of the other ones, and it is an actual playable combat patrol, which is really nice. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. The Onager itself is 75. Mm-hmm. And the Tech Priest Engines here is 33. Catafron sold out online, no longer available, so they're being reboxed. Same thing with Skatari. So uh, normally, so we're already at what? Se- we said 78 plus 33. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at just, oh, we're at like 111. Uh, Skatari are normally 44 and the Catafrons are 58. So yeah, that's about, uh, like a 200, $210 box worth of contents for 140. That's pretty good. I mean, that you're effectively getting the breachers for free, or you could even actually, you're getting close to getting the onager for free. Yeah. So that's not bad. Yeah, no, that's that's good. And like, and, you know, obviously we ha- we don't have the points or anything yet, so we can't really like look to see how it compares. But offhand, because of the flexibility of all of the kits in there, mm-hmm. this is one that I could definitely see you picking up multiples of because you could kit them out to make Vanguard or Skatari, you know, or the different, you know, the different types of destroyers. And then the even the, you know, Onager the Onager's got, can be- has like two or three weapon options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is this is one with a ton of flexibility. Like, I like what they've put in here and. Yeah, and all of those, I mean, those are all solid choices. I mean, Skatari have been kind of the, you know, the traditional core troop choice, but Catafrons are used as troop choices in a lot of other builds. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this this is a good one. And yeah, as you said, doubling doubling up on this and then adding like a Tech Priest Dominus would give you like the a very strong battalion start. So, yeah, yeah I like this one. And then we get to the things that GW actually announced themselves to the public. And I'm going to start with uh, one thing that they announced on May 3rd, and that was the new Orc Pain Boss. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He looks rad. (laughs) It's like, we're going to just start replacing, replacing Orc bits with cybernetics. Replacement leg, replacement arm, replacement head. Why not? The Gretchen with like the unicycle wheel is freaking great too. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> the pain grot. Yeah, so good. No, oh, I I like what they're doing with the beast snaggas, and like obviously as we get into the rest of the week, like we learn a lot more. But um, yeah, I really dig the aesthetic on these orcs. Yeah, I like the uh, squig being used as an IV bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so the. Good. Yeah, the design. You can tell they're having fun with the design, but I also like that the beast snaggers are are not traditional feral orcs that completely issue technology. It's just they have their own way of using it and like adding it to everything. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like the stuff they've shown so far, like it's it's gonna it's gonna be freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. 
And so then we got into uh, Warhammer Fest itself. And the first day was Age of Sigmar, and that was mostly new Soulblight Vampires. So, and and also the end of the Broken Realm series and new new big old centaur god. That, and that mm-hmm. you know that all looks really cool. But we are not an Age of Sigmar podcast, so we're going to move on to day two. And that's when we got our first 40k drops. And I understand, and actually I watched the chat on this when it was, you know, when it was live on Twitch. And there was a lot of disappointment at first because a lot of what was revealed on day two was not actually the first time it had been revealed. There was a lot of stuff that we had seen in the past that was added together. But I understand why they did it because of the last thing that they announced on day two. So first off, we start with uh, Morvan Vol, Abysanctorum of the Adeptus Sororitas. So apparently this is the the High Lord of Terra who represents the uh, Adeptus Sororitas, you know, in the in the that council. And they've decided to give her like we've talked about the Paragon Warsuits before, and they have decided to give her the bestest one. The bestest, most shiniest one with all the gubbins. I'm still in work mode, I'm sorry. Nah, no, nah, I think that makes sense. Like it's that, that's that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I think it looks badass. I really dig the paint job that they used for it. Like the gold, really the gold and white really pop. Like I think it's really neat what they're doing with the Paragon War suits. I think they're you know they're showing the versatility and like the posing and that they actually look like they're you know would be like usable technology. Like I, I don't know. I just I really dig it. I, I will second that, Kevin. I I liked them when they first came out. The looks of. And now that they've got a commander that kind of fits that same theme, just like in my mind, Celestine fits if you want to have a lot of winged mm-hmm. sisters flying around. So I like that there's a a new, I don't want to say number one, but a new leader that is like an overarching one. So you can have more styles rather than, well, Celestine's your auto take. Yeah. Well, the thing that I liked about all of the stuff they revealed, just kind of from, you know, the the larger view for the, the new Adeptus Sorota stuff is this is all the stuff that's getting added. The first codex and the first wave was getting everything into plastic. And then this is fleshing it out into a full army because before you had, you know, one troop choice, you only had, you know, limited options for heavy weapons or, you know, flying. And so, you know, so you, you had, you were very limited in options. This helps flesh the army out and makes them more well-rounded, gives them more HQ choices, more, you know, more heavy weapon choices, more close combat weapons. Like uh, it's in general, like this is a good, like evolution on the sisters line. And I, yeah, I, I was, I was fine with them. Like just kind of putting all of the crumbs that they'd been dropping together into one release and being like, here's, here's everything, you know, and here's, here's a look at everything together. I think that's, I think that's perfectly fine. I know a lot of people were disappointed, but I was fine with it. <laughs> Yeah, and it made it feel like a you know a cohesive whole rather than yeah just yes. seeing seeing bits and pieces. But yeah, I mean, more of involved. They're basically saying with the the suit she's in, she could pretty much go toe to toe with Bobby G, which you know it puts her at at Primarch level power. She's got a like a power spear from the Adeptus Custodes mm-hmm. for her suit. She's got the the big mastercrafted heavy bolter. Uh, looks like a grenade launcher, or rocket launcher, or something uh, as the shoulder weapons for the the suit. And yeah, it's just also like the fact that they did give her options. So if you don't like her having her bare head visible, you can have her in a helmet. Yeah, 
Because that's something people complain about. I, and, you know, it's like, yeah, that's not realistic. Why would you ever go into battle with your lid off? Well, they're giving you the options to keep your lid on if if that makes you feel better, you know, as a, as a modeler. In our- For me, it's much more pragmatic. I'm not good at painting faces. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very cinematic. I like having the faces there. I might not be good at painting them, but at least it makes me think of like the Marvel movies or any superhero yeah. thing where you see their face unless they're Iron Man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But no, I love to give an options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, they said that she'll basically work kind of like Celestine, where she'll work in any uh, sister's army, regardless of like which order you're playing as. Yeah. So no, I, th- I think, sh- I think she looks awesome. I will definitely be picking one up. Same. Yeah. Uh, then we move to, and I'm going to try to not screw these names up because it looks like somebody headbutted a keyboard, but um, <laughs> Astrid Thurga and Agatha Dolan. Uh, they And they'd actually released information on Astrid Thurga before, uh, actually earlier, I think either earlier that week or the week before. Yeah. Um, she carries around a banner called the Auto Tapestry of the Emperor's Judgment, and like it's a and again they also have her with helmet option. Mm-hmm. Uh, although her helmet, I think, like the the front front of it is lifted up, so it's yeah. like she, her face is visible either way. But it's a really slick looking banner, and then she has basically somebody that f- follows her around to record all her deeds. Well, the thing I like about this is you know, a getting kind of that banner, you know options like you have with other armies you know for aura effects and things like that is really cool but um agatha like her model like also you could use and like as a a, you know just a preacher like as a priest and like that's a cool you know you know it wouldn't take much to be like oh yeah no this is you know the priest that i'm going to use for my first for some of the other parts of the army and i think that's really cool because then you get a model that can do you know multiple things it can be the name character you can use it in other ways yeah um, let's see. And they say on the tabletop, if she, if Astrid plants her sacred standard at the right place in time, the tide of battle can be turned in an instant. The Holy Sisters also serve as great additions to a crusade force. Not only do they fit in thematically, but they come with a pair of abilities that interact well with the bespoke Adeptus Oritas crusade rules in the new codex. So I'm excited to see what the, the sisters get as far as crusade rules. Oh, for sure. See, and then we get back to some, you know, uh, other models that we've seen before. We see the Dogmata, which is basically their chaplain with the the big old uh, great mace. Yeah, the old F off mace. <laughs> yeah, and and they do say that they're basically going to get something along the lines of litanies. So mm-hmm. this is going to be functionally a, a chaplain for your army, just like the next model, the Palatine is functionally a lieutenant. Yeah. When I like things because like giving him a lieutenant option, giving him a chaplain option makes the next option, the the sacristans like better because you actually have a, a dedicated heavy melee unit. Yeah. Which is something they didn't have. Like they had um I always get it wrong, the Zeraphim, I think. Yeah, they is have the, the Seraphim and Zer- yeah, the Zephyrim. Yeah. yeah, we had the Zephyrim the, for like yeah. your fast like jump assault. And mm-hmm. we had uh Repentia for kind of getting that berserker feel, but Nothing that was really made to stand up yeah. in combat. Yeah. And like that, that's the thing I really noticed with this is it feel like in the past, if you really wanted to melee with sisters, it was the Repentia or the Repentant Engines. And mm-hmm. now they actually have full fledged sisters 
in armor with the melee weapons to go do the job. Yeah. Yeah. Maces and they had and storm shields. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they had shown the uh, sacrosancts a couple of weeks earlier, mm-hmm. but, and there they were armed with like big pole axes or halberds, like yeah. power halberds. And so it was nice to see that there's a couple of weapon options. So they're not just one note character or one note units. Mm hmm. Yeah, and we got a lot more pictures and like different poses and and looks at them. So like, you know, we see that there's options for their you know their shooting weapons. They've got pistols, plasma guns, you know, hand flamer. So yeah, like they're gonna have weapon options. Um, you know, for their their primary assault weapons. Like, it's again like it's it's information that was shown before, but we're getting more of it. We're getting a better picture of everything. So I yeah, again, I think this is a good good preview. Like this is a good release. <laughs> Yeah, and if they're like most power maces, it'll give them additional strength, which is always great for for mm-hmm. a strength three army. And it looks like they'll have an ability to heroically intervene the way characters can. Yeah. So, I mean, gives them just that extra bit of reactive mobility. I think it'll be an interesting addition, and we're going to get some some new builds out of this, definitely, just with what we've seen so far. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, then we get to the Paragon Warsuits. Again, which I again, I know the commit the community is kind of split on them. I really dig them, and I'm I'm definitely going to be buying a box. I'm on the positive half, and they're with yeah. you because I, I I like them as a mobile heavy support choice, which might replace um, the heavy multi melters who have to ride in a truck and get out. Well, not a truck, but you know what I mean, <laughs> right? The exorcist. No, I think the idea of sisters riding around an orc truck <laughs> is fantastic. Uh, Dang it! Oh, I'm I, speaking of which, I'm looking forward to orc players buying these and converting them up to like. Oh, make the yeah. Guy. There's gonna be yeah. There's gonna be some great <laughs> conversions made out of these. <laughs> but no, like again, like being able to see like the options you have here. So you see a power sword option, mace option, heavy bolter, multi melta, heavy flamer. Like getting to see you know, the, the different shoulder options and, and melee options like that's good. Like it, it allows, you know, allows you to kind of see more about what the, what the unit's going to be. And I, I really like it. Yeah. And, and again, the weaponry is all straight, you know, straight from the sisters playbook, you know, bolter flamer melta. Mm-hmm. And then just like, you've got the, the shoulder options of either dual, uh, dual storm bolters or a grenade launcher. So you've got some anti-infantry, you know, firepower there. So you can you can kind of make a DACA suit or you can make uh, something that's made to clear out, like deal with big things, because it sounds like the mace is going to. Because like the the sword hews through enemies or an enormous mace designed to crush even the largest skulls, which tells me that's going to be like your anti monster option, whereas the blade mm-hmm. will probably get you like the multiple attacks per swing. Yeah. No, it's great. Like I I. I like seeing I like seeing more details on this. So, yeah, I'm I'm and, excited for when these come out and confirmed that they will come in boxes of three as well, mm-hmm. which is nice. I do like that since they said the squad size is going to be three. So it's perfect. Yeah. And again, uh, the ca- more more stuff we've seen before. Uh, but yes, the castigator, which uh, just again, looks awesome. I lo- I love the castigator. Yeah, one of the highlights for me with all of this new sister stuff that's come out is the design of the sisters' tanks have really, like, they're, you know, they're rhino chassis, but they've really gone in on the extra details to make them look their own. Right. Um, and I, I'm really impressed by that. 
And by extra details, you mean just put lots of extra stuff on them, just like Chaos would put lots of extra stuff on them? Yeah, well, absolutely. But like, they've, <laughs> well, but like they've incorporated the design. Like, you know, they've got the the little like um, places for the statuary inside, you know, the armor panels and like the different, you know, um, the different smokestacks and stuff. Like, I it just it it makes it it makes them stand out. Like, it differentiates them from normal standard Space Marine Rhino chassis. Um, well, and especially like since that. we it's very cool, and especially since we see the Rhino getting a lot less attention now that you know space marines are pretty much completely focused on primaris releases like we haven't seen you know other than the sisters line any new rhino chassis Mm -hmm. at all and so not only are we getting the rhino chassis but like you said it it, you're getting all the the add-on bits like the the filigree that's added like even the the like the uh, battle cannon has like filigree on the barrel right and like everything's just a little bit more ornamental and just like, there's just a little bit more class to it. And then we still also have that front mounted, uh, heavy bolter that we start mm-hmm. saw added with the exorcist and emulator. Yeah. No, I dig it, man. This thing's going to, this thing's going to throw a lot of rounds down range. So, yeah. And well, it's, it, it's cool. It, it'll, it'll, uh, cover a different, you know, kind of a gap. Like the sisters have battle tanks for other things, but like this can be your, your mainline big target battle tank. Yeah. So. And I'm, I'm curious since it, it looks like it's going to be using the same battle cannon that like a Lehman Russ has. I'm wondering if the tanks are going to have the ability we've seen on a few other tanks where like if they move at half distance or less, they get to fire twice. Ooh, I could like the turret nice. weapon. That would be really slick. They don't, they don't say one way or another, but sure. uh, it's it's definitely something I, w- I would like well, to see. I'm sure they'll say once we have a chance to go to the next item. Oh, yeah. And so, yes, the next item, uh, which is not the last one for the day, the next item is uh, the Codex Adeptus Rotas. So uh, they're getting a 128-page Codex, over 35 data sheets, Crusade rules, um, Hymns of Battle, which is the not litanies for uh, Dogmata, and we are getting the Minoris Conviction, so make your own sisters chat, you know, order, which is something we didn't get in Pariah that I was sure we were going to, mm-hmm. because like you know Pariah was going to be like sisters and Necrons and Inquisition, and we didn't really get any of the things that we wanted in that book. <laughs> so well, yeah, hopefully this will be it then. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. The only the only downside though is that they're probably going to redo like the um the sisters like Mer- um acts, oh. of faith. acts of faith yeah no, no I know it, because every codex it. it has to be done differently but right well and every other codex is bad the last ones were good so I imagine this one will be bad you hush your mouth sir <laughs> well, I, I, I'm on Rob's side on this where I think especially since they said on the community site that this sisters. Codex would put them up there, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think this is going to be a bad I, codex. I don't, I don't think it will be either. But it just, it's, it is hilarious that they change the acts of faith in every codex and they make it bad every other time. So I hope they break that. <laughs> I hope they just leave it the way it was because yes. honestly, the miracle dice system was works wonderful. great. Yeah, yeah it, it worked great. fantastic. I I, uh, let's see, and then uh, we get to Act Two of. Uh, the Warzone Charadon, the Book of Fire, which is the one that will introduce the 40k rules for Bellacor. 
Yeah. And Morvan Vall, apparently, or more Morvan Vall will be involved in the book, but we don't know if like her rules will be in there or they're going to wait till the codex comes out. If this is going to come out side to side with the, the codex kind of like, uh, it came out with like book one came out with Drukari side by side. Yeah. It'll be interesting, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Like there's some, it sounds like there's some neat stuff in here and I like what they're doing with the stories. So, Mm -hmm. although there have been, if we didn't talk, we haven't really covered book one on the show, but, uh, there's been, uh, one thing from book one that has one of the many things that has been, unbalancing the game in the favor of Drukari because apparently Drukari are just stupid, ridiculously good competitively as in like cleaning up at like most of the recent GTs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something like a 70% plus win rate. Uh, One of the things that was in there was Cult of Strife, which is Lelith's uh, witch cult had a warlord or has, it does have a warlord trait called competitive edge, which says uh, when you attack, Every time you fail to get, I think, to the wound phase of the attacks process, you get to add another attack. So every attack you make that doesn't wound, you make another attack. And then you give that to a uh, succubus with razor flails who gets two attacks for each of her attacks. That's spicy. (laughs) So, yeah, like there are basically like you can have like a 60, 65 point model that can just eliminate most units from the board because then there's also a dark lotus uh toxin which adds one to the strength and and uh damage to all your attacks yeah so that's my one concern about this is that some of those uh those uh focuses on particular sub factions may not be the best thought out and I'm I'm hoping that they are, do some fixes to that. Although there's a number of fixes that might need to be done with uh, Drukari, mostly res- involving point changes to kind of tone them down a bit. But yeah, <laughs> so it's like th- this book could be really cool, or it could screw some things up. So uh, when has GW ever screwed up the game balance with one ill-conceived book? Um, let, let, let's just leave that one there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. But, uh, but hopefully I will say this is a GW that's shown that they're willing to fix those issues once they get enough data. And I think they've definitely starting to get that data in now. And and that's the thing with Drukari, like they're having a huge win rate and they're, you know, they're, they're that new hotness right now, but also we're just starting to get GTs back. And I kind of think that the win rate might be inflated a little bit. Like there's no doubt that they're good, but the people that are going to GTs right now are the most hardcore competitive players because a lot of people don't feel comfortable going to events yet. So it makes sense to me that the majority of the people going to events right now would gravitate to the most hardcore best top tier lists right now. And that you're going to see some skewed results. But as we get, more and more games in and more, you know, regular players getting back into it, you might actually see that win rate drop a little bit. And obviously there's going to have to change some balance things as well, but it doesn't surprise me that they came out the gate with a huge win rate because the most competitive people that pay the most attention to that stuff are the ones going to events right now. Uh, True, true. But I think it does also point to, and, and what I'm seeing from a lot of the feedback is that 
Drukari are just an army that is extremely well designed for this edition. Yes. No, for point, sure. What? To the point where they're outperforming the earlier ninth edition codexes because they were built like okay. But like, you know, we, we were talking when we reviewed uh Dark Angels and Death Guard, how like they had a lot of the tools to be able to survive and uh you know really thrive in this environment. Mm-hmm. And they're doing okay but not nothing like what drukari is doing and apparently it comes down to drukari are undercosted for what they get yeah uh like generally i see that uh like people are saying they trade like unit for unit they trade better because they have so many more units they can fit in because of their point costs that mm-hmm. yeah if you're trading units on a one-to-one you're gonna lose that fight and in an objective-based game where you need units to hold objectives it's just no, for sure yeah like, like, I definitely think that there's, you know, they'll have to address some of the balance issues, but it doesn't surprise me so much that when events started popping back up, that they were the army that that jumped out to this big, like, high win rate, you know, and, and I think it eventually, will, you know, it'll catch up because we're not getting as many events. So, like, people aren't making counter narratives, you know, counter meta to them yet. And the other thing that I was talking with uh, one of my friends uh, last week, he's a, you know, Greg's a Drakari player, and he he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I've been playing my Drakari for, you know, the whole time that they were bad last edition as well. So now that they're good, I know the army inside and out. And now I can immediately like play it, play it well. And it kind of seems to me like Drakari and Tau are kind and I guess orcs a little bit as well are kind of the three armies that people play that army because they love the army, even when it's bad. So when the army gets good, you're going to see a huge influx of not top tier players, like not like the top tier competitive players be good with that army because they've been playing it for so long. And like, mm-hmm. I, I could see that when Tau gets their new codex, eventually, if they fix some of the issues, you're going to see this huge immediate sw- in, you know swell of win rate for them because all of the people who've been playing Tau for the last five years and, you know, struggling to survive are all of a sudden going to have all these new tools and the top level competitive players are going to switch to them because, you know, it's, the new army and it's got the new tools and you're going to see this huge influx of players playing it. Like, so it doesn't surprise me that this is happening. Although yes, they do need to fix balance issues with Jakari. Yeah. So, so Kevin on the Tau, I'm going to go back. Does that mean when Tau gets, comes out, you'll go back to them? I mean, I, I might, <laughs> like, here's the thing. I haven't played my Tau in a long enough time. So like, I might, I might go back to him assuming that like, I get a chance to, you know, play the game. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, I, there, there's going to be a lot of players that have played Tau consistently, and then all of a sudden that army being good, they're going to know all the tips and tricks to like not get flat assed with bad Tau, and then all of a sudden they get now they have point reductions and better weapons, and oh, all of a sudden now they're winning those games. So it, it it's it's going to be interesting how the how they how the meta shifts with these new releases. I think. Yeah. And it's going to, yeah, especially as the new codex has come out. I mean, Sisters is already an army that's doing well. And we'll Mm -hmm. have to see if the new tools and revised rules give them even more of an edge to maybe run a counterpiece to Drukari. We'll have to see if uh, Mechanicus offers uh, a similar counter meta. Mm -hmm. And, and see how much of like a rock, paper, scissors effect do we get? Like, like, does Mechanicus end up being like a hard counter for Drukari, you know, for some reason or other? And then does, you know, do does a revised sisters kind of 
play in the middle between those two spaces and act as a spoiler for one or the other. It's there's a lot yeah. of unknowns we have, but yeah, that, there's definitely a few balance issues. And I think Drukari can be addressed mostly with point changes and that will bring thing that could bring them down to like, maybe if they're at like a 60% win rate, then that opens up the space for some of these other armies to come in for sure. For sure. But yeah, it's just like I have my my concern about uh like how they're doing the uh the narrative books so far is that if they're not careful, you can end up with a situation where you have a lot of haves and have nots where it's like, oh, if you're playing this one subfaction of this one army, you get all these cool tools that no other player of that army gets mm-hmm. and that can unbalance things in like steer or like skew things so that oh yeah everybody just takes that because it's the best version of this no absolutely and and we ran into that you know in previous editions as well so that it's that's a that's a thing they have to be careful with on any of those narrative type books is to not overpower and invalidate other builds so yeah i mean i i think they'll i think gw's done a much better job at at balancing that stuff or addressing it once they realize that hey we messed up so mm-hmm. i don't think it'll persist but uh i mean on, on the flip side i'm happy for all the jerkari players that are like winning games now and like yeah. you know that their army that you know frankly wasn't wasn't super good for a pretty long time is you know is good now like i'm, I'm happy for them oh yeah absolutely and i'm excited to see what like bellicor bellicor's rules and there's going to be like a whole army you can play which is like a mix of chaos demons and like chaos space marines and bellicor and that bellicor demon can (laughs) (laughs) yeah no there's some cool stuff coming up oh yeah and then finally on day two we had uh a a warhammer uh battle zone mechanicus for caradon so it's just basically a battlefield in a box a little sparse on the train but it's a it's a way to get all the mechanicus terrain pieces and in one kit I do wish there was a little bit more terrain in there, but yeah, it feels like there there should be like another pipe, like another pipeline or something, but yeah. Or just, you know, an, another, you know, a couple of other taller pieces in there. I mean, it's okay. And I imagine for like combat patrol style battles, it's probably fine. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, but like, if you're just looking to get a battlefield started, it's not a bad not a bad product. And we've already seen that for, I think they did like Vertigus, which was like all the uh, kind of like their, their starter set terrain. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see more of these terrain packages come out as they do these uh, war zone books. Yeah. It's a good way to get it out there for people. So anytime you can kind of combine it into a box like that, it's, you know, that's good for people. Yeah. Uh, and then that takes us to day three, which was mostly a black library day. So mostly fiction, but there was definitely one release that did involve models that got everyone's attention. And it's actually the return of a line that was done in metal years and years ago and now is getting redone in plastic and it's Gaunt's Ghosts. Which, yeah. these are some of the coolest looking uh, Astro Militarum arm, you know, or the, some of the coolest looking Astro Militarum models that have come out in a long time. Yeah, they they just all look great. Like they're all, you know, it's it's what, five models, six models, six, six models. Um, yeah. And like it's all characters like they all look distinct. They all like match 
what the character is from, you know, from the books. Like I'm, I don't know, man. I'm, I, it, maybe it's just because I've been, um, watching bad batch, but I look at this and I get a very like bad batch vibe off these models. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, I've read, and I have read the first three of the Gaunt's ghost novels. They are fantastic. I mean, it's Dan Abnett. Abnett mm-hmm. never disappoints. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, we get, uh, Ibram Gaunt himself, uh, Colonel Colm Corbeck, uh, major Elam Ron, who hates Gaunt <laughs> very much get, uh, mad Larkin, the sniper, uh, try again, brag who, yeah, that is, uh, he is, he is just two handing that, uh, auto cannon there <laughs> and they call him try again because he's horribly inaccurate. Which is why they gave him an auto cannon, because just kind of point that way and pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Owen McColl as the scout sergeant, and so yeah, that's these models. Yeah, they look fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of both fiction fans and guard players who are going to be really excited to get their hands on these. I mean, they just look wonderful, and we're also getting a bunch of. Uh, Gaunt's Ghost and Sabat War related uh, material like a special version of like special edition of the Vinicula Insurgency novel which is like one of his new his new novel from like the early days of Gaunt's Ghosts and a uh, Sabat World's Crusade like background book and like the, the limited editions on these all look absolutely beautiful yeah. with like all these just little in world bits and pieces to to really deliver the flavor so so that is that is really really cool and then we're going to jump ahead to day four which was boxed games and most of this is like more fantasy or necromunda geared like we got a new uh underworld warband announced that has a crab yeah the, and the everyone loves the crab awesome. <laughs> the crab is great <laughs> Yeah, good old underwater elves. <laughs> Necromunda gets a uh, focus on House Delac, and we got a preview of Necromunda Hired Gun, which is coming out June 30th, which looks fantastic. Yeah. And then we got uh, Aeronautica Imperialis. We are finally getting a plastic Thunderhawk. Yay! It's tiny. It is teeny. <laughs> it is teeny yeah. tiny. <laughs> But like I like the stuff I like the stuff they're releasing for this though like the the storm eagles the inter you know, the 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 interceptors like the the Eldar like aircraft like all look super cool like I like what they're doing yeah we're getting a box set called Wrath of Angels which is going to be Space Marines versus Eldar and the Eldar designs are based off of the old Forge World flyers which is really cool and then yeah that plastic Thunderhawk which despite being tiny is still a chunky beast. I could see that. And I, I will say I don't play Aeronautica, but I do like the concept and I am happy that they're bringing the Forge because the Forge World Flyers looked really neat. So it's nice that they're getting a return to the table. Mm-hmm. There are some people like cause the last Aeronautica release we had was like a year and a half ago for Tau. It was like Tau and Imperial Guard. And it was like, OK, so the game's just kind of idle. And it's not a, a line they release a lot of models for. So there wasn't any clear, you know, clear idea if, if the game was dead or not. And having this pop back up 
with a, a new set with new new factions featured and uh, ongoing support. I mean, it's good. It's nice to see that like these boxed games are things that they can support occasionally and still make it very worth the while to the audiences that they they want to reach with them. But yeah, the 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 plastic Eldar flyers look look wonderful, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see pla- like plastic versions of the tiny like Crimson Hunter as well. I mean, I, th- I there's there's room to add the other flyers that Eldar now have to this line. This is just what's in the uh, box set that they're releasing. And, and for being as small as is, that plastic Thunderhawk has a ton of detail on it. Yeah, I that this makes me hold out hope that maybe eventually at some point we'll get an actual real plastic Thunderhawk. Because <laughs> like, like they have the design for it. <laughs> yeah, look, they have the CAD design for it now. So that is true. That's true. Yeah, but when you stretch it out, you like lose some of the details. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, like, I'm glad that they're doing it, and I'm glad they're supporting, you know, Aeronautica. Like, you know, it's not a game that I play, but I do like the stuff that they're releasing for it, so. Let's see, is that the, uh, is it the Xiphon Interceptors? Yeah, it's the Xiphon Interceptor, the Storm Eagle, and then I want to say it's the Viper, and I don't know what the other Eldari vehicle is. Because, like, the, the Viper is, like, the big one, and I, I don't know what the smaller, I don't know what that smaller one is. Well, some of them are the, like they're they are older flyers that they used to have, right? Um, the Nightwing and uh, Nightwing, yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it, is it the Nightwing and the Vampire? I think are those two. Oh, that's it's the Vampire, not the Viper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Nightwing's the one that has like the the swing wings on it. The like because if you look at it, like they the wings can yeah, pop that's, out. Yeah, that's the one I wasn't sure of. Yeah, that the big one's the Vampire, and the one with the swing wings is the uh, yeah. The Nightwing, yeah. The Nightwing. I mean, cool looking, cool looking vehicles. Like, yeah, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're not just letting those, you know, I don't know if they still actually have them in on Forge World for full size, but like, I like that they're not letting those designs go. Um, the, the Nightwing is listed as no longer available and I don't see the, uh, the vampire anywhere either. So yeah, they, yeah they're yeah. pretty much gone. People made lamentations when the last um, book came out that, none of the flyers were in there and then they, they were being pulled from the store. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's been like everything in the Eldar line is either temporarily out of stock or no longer available, which gives you the thoughts, hopes that maybe the end of this year, early next year, we might get a redo of the line. Maybe hey, one can hope I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so then we got to day five, which was more 40K. And this one was focused uh, mostly on one army that we've seen some teases for. In fact, we've talked about it a little bit earlier this episode, and that is the Beast Snaga Orcs. And they are getting an entire army box akin to the uh, the box that like Sisters were released in, where it's an entire mm-hmm. like kind of combat patrol starting army. Along with the codex, which apparently is like the beast snag box is going to have the codex like a month or so early. Yeah, I I definitely need to get my hands on one of these. Oh, yeah. And it's a special beast snaga edition of the codex, too, which is cool looking. <laughs> See, and that surprises me because I figured they'd hold off on orcs till October. Well, we don't know when this is going to be released like. 
you know, this box set might come out in September. Yeah, it might come out in like okay. September, and then the actual Codex drop, drops in October. That's fair. Yeah. Because we've got at least two more codexes between now and then, plus whatever. Well, plus the all the Age of Sigmar stuff. Because well, I, I imagine mean, how how long ahead, how far ahead of time did the Sisters box come out before the actual codex? Months. Uh, months actually, yeah. a, uh, actually, only two or three months because it came that, out. That's it, plural. It, it came, months, yes, but not like <laughs> like when you say months, it makes it sound like oh god, it was like almost it, a year. But it was like that box dropped in early December, and I think the Sisters Codex separately released dropped in like late January. So it was like two months. Oh, I thought it was later than that. I thought it was, yeah, okay. I thought it was more than that. I thought it was closer to February. But yeah, um, yeah, I guess it was so two months, month and a half. It felt a long time, Kev. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure I like the the precedent they're setting of like releasing you know releasing a codex in a box set ahead of time i think that's kind of weird um i don't i don't really dig that but uh i i like the box i like the models they have in here like it looks cool it, i don't need to start another army but if i were to play orcs this would be it <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to start another army because i just started another army right <laughs> I yeah, I really dig the beast snaga design where it like I said, it's not completely feral, it's like mechanized feral, which is is really cool. Yeah. Like all the uh, the armor bits. What was how did you hear it described? Uh, Horizon Zero Dork. Yeah, it's a Horizon Zero Dorks. <laughs> I'm like, ah, that's great. Yeah, it's it's good. Like I just I dig the design. Like the or it's leaning into the orkiness of the orcs, and that's that's just great. <laughs> yeah. And then see, we get a. I'm assuming that's supposed to be a boss on the squig with the metal plate on its head. Yeah. Uh, that is. Yeah, I think they said he's a, a war boss, or a, yeah, or he's an. It's a knob or a knob. Like. Okay. Yeah. But then we get a a named character in the box who has actually been in the. Like I want to say in some of the old old orc codexes, it, and uh, it, the I don't think he was in the third edition codex. I think second edition was the last time he was in the codex. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah, but Zog Zogd Zodgrod. Let me make sure make sure I get this right. Zodgrod Wartsnaga. <laughs> yeah the the rent herder. His his big thing was he made he made grots better. And he actually treats them nicely, apparently. So, yeah, se- the second edition Codex is, was old when he was last in there, and he has a uh, gloriously uh, '90s model. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with an awesome head of squig hair. <laughs> oh, did, is this a picture of his old model? Yeah, it's the oh, picture. Wow! Of the old model. Oh, wow! Yeah. Wow! So that, that, like, that design's come a long model. way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, the new model looks great. Like I, I that's yeah, he looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great re envisioning of of that 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 thing that, <laughs> that thing right thing. there. I don't <laughs> even know if that counts as an orc. That's just a thing. But no, the the new one looks fantastic. And of course, their modeling tech has just been amazing. Yeah, and I do like the grot riding the squig bomb mono wheel <laughs> into combat. <laughs> Yeah, so good. Yeah, in in the big picture, you can see like one of the one of the large riding squigs, 
the like the one all the way in the back actually has looks like it's lost its like hind legs and so it has like a big huge fat motorcycle wheel. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, that's great. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I just love the fact that this stuff is so orky. Like they've just completely leaned into it. Yeah, no, they're they're having fun with it. You can tell they're they're having a lot of fun with the design. They say the standalone books release is arriving a short time later. So I imagine it'll be like this army box and then like a month. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I, I would imagine since we've got two 40K codexes announced that haven't been released yet. And then we've got, you know, we, I don't know how much we'll talk about it, but we've got the Age of Sigmar stuff that's coming. Uh, so I would imagine this will be late summer before we start, before we get any of the orc stuff. Yeah, then that makes sense. So yeah, I'd say, yeah, August, September, because July is going to be, if it's like, their traditional releases, June, July is going to be heavy Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. I imagine we'll see Mechanicus later this month. Then June will be Age of Sigmar. July would probably be Sisters. August may be Age of Sigmar. And then, yeah, I could actually see this this box being September in line for a full orc release in October. So, yeah, maybe maybe you're right on that. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not getting just Beast Snaga orcs we uh, that uh we also got a war boss in mega armor yeah, yeah which is which is nice to have and I, I like how the mega armor for the bosses like even this you can see how like gasgol's armor would derive from this because like the fact that you can see his pants like his legs beneath like the the mega armor boots reminds me of like gasgol's design mm-hmm so it's like, you know, you can kind of see a clear progression from like orc, orc knob, you know, boss in mega armor and then Gasgol. Yep. And then um, another thing that uh, was shown, and this I think is really cool, is an upgrade set, a set of upgrade sprues, which will eventually be included with every uh, box of this uh, upgrade sprues for Cadian shock troops. So. I had heard from a couple of local like game stores and just people that I've talked to that they were saying, and this gives a little more credence to it. So I'm like, uh, like willing to talk about it a little bit that they had heard that they were going to plan on doing this for a lot more guard regiments that they were basically going rather than redoing the guard model line, they were going to basically put out the current Cadian kit as like your base guard and then release upgrade sprues, head replacements, weapon replacements, etc. for all of the different regiments like Vestroians or Praetorians, you know, Elysium drop troops. And then that was kind of how they were going to refresh the Imperial Guard line. I don't know that I completely buy that because I think there's still enough difference between like the Cadian bodies and some of the other stuff. But seeing this kind of leads a little more credence to that. They're like, wow, maybe, maybe they are planning on, you know, doing something kind of like what they did with space Marines, where you can get your upgrades for regiments, you know, as, as separate sprues and, and kind of customize your, your guard armies uh, that way. And, and I really do dig, I mean, we've got a bunch of weapon upgrades, which I think is something that we've, some of those special weapons have usually in the past only been in like the command Mm-hmm. Like the company that, command box. So that was one of the things they specifically said. It's like, yeah, like if you wanted to make, you know, a, a guard regiment, you would have to 
buy a couple guard boxes and then, you know, and then buy multiple command units just to get the special weapons. Um, and now you don't have to, which is which is great. I, yeah, I really appreciate them realizing that that is not a good design. While it may help them sell more stuff, it is isn't good for players. So putting the like these weapons for like sergeants and special weapons and things like that in the unit box makes a lot more sense. But also doing it with just like an add on sprue so that the the old because the old Cadian bodies are fine. Mm hmm. But also, just like beyond the new weapons, all the new heads that they've put in there. Oh, they they look so good. Yeah, and you know, Games Workshop has has said in the last year or so, and and actually even leading up to that, uh, that they were trying to do better at modeling a diverse range of people, so you didn't just get the same looking guy over and over again. And they have really hit it out of the park with this. Um, not only do you have like different, like you have obviously male and female uh, troops represented. And they, they, they mentioned that in the stream. That's like, you know, the, the guard is an equal opportunity employer. And so, and, and they said, yeah, underneath the art, like with the, uh, the body armor and everything. Yeah. Guardsmen bodies all look pretty similar, but uh, like, You've you've got clearly, you know, women in the guard, men in the guard. Also, we're seeing a lot of different ethnotypes modeled. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you can have guardsmen from all over in your army and and have them all have like this nice cohesive look. Also, just like some even the helmeted heads, like uh they they mentioned like if you have like a particular thing you like from certain war movies or novels or so it's like you've got the guy with the playing cards tucked into a headband yeah. on his helmet so when do we get the guy with two like beer cans on the helmet that have like straws to the mouth i you know what you could honestly just probably uh green stuff that onto the playing card helmet and call <laughs> it good and you've got like a couple of rebreathe like rebreather heads and just older and also like Older heads, head like heads with beards, heads with mohawks, heads with uh, mm -hmm. bandanas, just all kinds of stuff. A couple of different like sergeant heads with like caps and everything. It's just there's just this really nice variety instead of like I said, the old Cadian line was pretty much like the same guy doing like nine different faces. Yeah. No, it just it looks so much cooler. Like just and it's a great way that like they've you know with literally making what five 10, 20 heads on a sprue and a handful of like weapon options you've effectively managed to like expand your line your existing line like exponentially which is great yeah and i could see them now to the rumor you had been talking about yeah i do think that like vestroians and like steel legion are going to have very different basic forms mm -hmm. than cadians but there's a lot of forces where they're not like if you did like uh Ushanka style hats, you could have like you could do Valhalla Ice Warriors with yeah. without too many changes. Or if you did sprues that could add like you could take the same pants, but let's see it like if I remember right, they're separated at the waist, so like the shirts yeah. are kind of like it'd be tricky. You'd almost yeah, I don't know. Maybe it would be harder to do some of these because, like, with some of them you want to do like long coats. But if you just did, like, if you had a set like Cadians and some upgrade sprues, and then like some long coat 
soldiers with a couple of different upgrade sprues because you could do like Valhallans and possibly like Vestroyans and maybe like Steel Legion off of the same basic body and then mm-hmm. just have some conversion sprues there. Uh, the one this doesn't quite fit in with would be Catechins, but I wonder if you could see Catechin bodies with some of these heads thrown in because like some of these heads look like Catechin heads, like the guys with the Mohawks, oh, sure. yeah. the bandanas, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. But the Catechin line also just needs a read, needs an update anyway. Like the Cadian line's pretty solid. Yeah, but I'm I'm excited. Like it's a, it you know between this and the Gaunt's Ghost stuff, like Guard definitely needed an upgrade and and kind of a refresh in some areas. And I think this you know these two releases go go a good ways towards that. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the final thing they teased on that day, and I am going to say teased because there's not a lot of information on it, is there was a video for a psychic storm is coming. I think it said fire and magic. And all we know is that it featured the forces of the Thousand Suns versus Grey Knights and Castle and Crow was was featured in the video. Yeah. And that's about all we know, but they said that is the, the uh, an upcoming battle box. So we're going to get a release for Grey Knights and Thousand Sons that looks to have a plastic Castellan Crow and looks like possibly a new plastic like standalone sorcerer. It was hard to tell. I mean, they it's really that there's not much in there other than like a few images. They did mention as well in the final day of the preview when they were doing the Age of Sigmar stuff that they mentioned that they've got two more online previews scheduled for the month of May. Oh, wow. So, okay. I, so, I missed that part. So. Yeah. And it was like it just at the very end. Now, I don't know if that's Sigmar because there's a lot of stuff coming up for Sigmar or if it's 40K, if it's one of both. But they did mention that they have multiple online previews coming up still. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get more information on this you know, in the next, in the next couple of months after, you know, maybe they do the Mechanicus release and then we start getting more information on this. I could see that. I could see that. But we, but Grey Knight players and Thousand Suns players know that there is love coming eventually, which also, if that's an upcoming battle box, then that might be our hint at the next two codexes after orcs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we could be looking at like a winter release for, for these two. It just depends on how much I, I how much they want to accelerate their release schedule. But since the last day, which was the mysterious day, ooh, ooh. Um, the mysterious day, that was when they announced their big announcement, which was the third edition of Warhammer Age of Sigmar with, frankly, a couple of really awesome looking models. Yeah, uh, no, uh, yeah, like it looks cool. I here's my hesitation about this. And I we're starting to kind of see it in 40k too. Age of Sigmar has been around for what six years, I think uh, five Seven or years? six years, five or six, and they're years on years. and they're on their third edition. Or, so basically, yeah, at least six years because I want to say the first yeah. uh, General's Handbook was 2016, and and they're doing basically every other year they're doing a new quote unquote you know finger quotes edition of the game. I really hope that isn't the ongoing business model, because I really don't want like 10th edition 40 K to come next summer. Like I just, it's, it would be really annoying if that was the case. (laughs) Well, and doubly so due to the pandemic and a lot of us haven't played many games yet. Yeah. Just in general, I just hope we don't get into that. Like, I, I guess there's a way they could do it where it wouldn't feel obtrusive, whatever. If it's like, 
hey, this is a new quote unquote edition of the game, but it's a revised rule book and it's just kind of, you know, and it's kind of an involving game. But like, I don't know. I just don't want to get into this model of like rules as service where it's like, hey, get the 2021 rules update. And it's, you know, here's the version of the game you play this year. Like, I, I don't. I don't want to that's get into what that the chapter approved chapter approved and the general's handbooks were supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. That's what I was about to say too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I, Which I'm excited. I, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. W- I'm fine with yearly updates. Like I'm fine with regular updates to the game. I'm fine with the game being considered a living rule set. Yeah. And it, for me, it depends on what they're doing. I hope ninth edition, like eighth edition lasted for what? Three years. And then we got ninth edition. Mm hmm. And I'm hoping ninth edition sticks around a bit longer than that. Although three to five years is about the age of an edition. You know, I mean, sixth edition only lasted two. Right. Yeah. I just, I just don't want, I just don't like seeing the editions shrink like that. Like, I don't know. It's, I don't well, know. I, I'm, yeah. what I was going to say is I'm willing to cut them a little bit of slack with age of Sigmar because the first edition of age of Sigmar was a huge experiment. Like sure, brand sure. a brand new rule set that was not like anything else up to that point, with like a completely different philosophy. And Age of Sigmar second edition was like taking what they had learned over a period of about three years and kind of revising it, polishing it up, keeping the basic structure the same, but adding in a couple of things. And from what I gathered, the night I the third edition I think is going to be like Fundamentally, the rules are already similar, mm-hmm. not identical, but similar to like ninth edition. So I don't think you're going to see major rule changes there. If anything, I think you'll see a slight desimplification and adding a few more things that can be done. They, they mentioned that like they're going to add more interactivity. So you had more stuff you could do on your opponent's turn, like in reaction to what they did. So they're trying to get out of that. You do your turn. I do my turn. And we and that's yeah. about as far as the game goes. Um, they're addressing some balance things. They're also putting in a Age of Sigmar equivalent to Crusade play. I would not be surprised if we see them put in the smaller board size that we have in 40k now. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I imagine what you're going to see is like this is their chance to kind of bring the philosophy of Ninth Edition and Age of Sigmar kind of in parity with each other and yeah. kind of run them parallel. And I'm not, and I'm not opposed to that. I think that's good to have consistency between their game lines. I just, I don't want to get into this. I just don't want to get into the cycle of like every every two years, you know, every year we're getting a new edition of the game, and it's like, yeah, you know, and then they do this whole like it's a new edition type stuff. I just, if they're doing it where it's just like slight rules tweaks and it's a living edition and like here's the updated rule book with the FAQs and stuff like that, I'm more okay with it. I just. I can see this being a worrying trend. That's, you know, which kind of (laughs) sucks. Well, if they keep their codex schedule release where they've had it, where we're getting a codex every other month, we at least have another year or so before all the armies are updated. Yeah. And so I imagine I, I would not be surprised if in 2023, we see like a 10th edition sure coming down the pipe. And I, so I, I don't know if I necessarily would worry about like a yearly edition change. And I, I think it feels like it because we're getting like two, in years back to back, we're getting new editions of their two core games. Yeah. 
I just I just don't want them to get into that habit of doing that when they're like, well, we released back to back editions. We can just continue doing this because the other thing that happens and you know, we see, especially in 40K, is when that happens, the first codex out the gate is Space Marines. And like, I don't need a new Space Marine codex every year and a half. Like, you know, it's I don't know. I just I, I it's it's in and of itself. This is a good news. This is a good announcement. This is good for Age of Sigmar. I worry about the trend of the shorter editions that they're having. And like, maybe this fixes it and they don't have as many rule changes and going forward, it's just, you know, FAQ type stuff when they release a new edition of the rule book and things like that. And it's not a big deal, but I don't know. I just, I, I get worried about the edition cycles being shorter. Well, and they said on this one, like their goal, one of their goals was to take the core rules of, of age of Sigmar, like deconstruct and re and clarify them so, like, the game is going to generally function in very much the same way, but they wanted to make the rules extremely clear so that kind of in the way they've done with Ninth Edition with, like, the rules glossaries and rare rules interactions and things mm. like that, where there's, like, very few rules disputes. Like, everything is pretty clearly spelled out. So, I really, I really get the impression they are trying to apply the Ninth Edition 40K just like they applied Age of Sigmar logic to when they did 8th edition of like streamlining the game and getting it down to the, the fundamental parts that make it fun to play. Now they're applying the philosophy of 9th edition where the rules are very clarified and there's equal support for narrative and matched play and things like that. They're trying to bring that into yeah. Age of Sigmar. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, it we we're in kind of uncharted territory right now. So. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, but I, I think your concerns are not unfounded. Yeah. And you know, like I said, it's it is what it is. Like I said, there's a way that they could do it where you could, you know, have it be more of a living rule set. And then just every year release, you know, the 2022 version of the 40K core rule book with your updates and any minor tweaks and stuff like that. And I would be OK with that, like because they, they're already kind of doing some of that stuff. I just I don't want to get into the cycle of. It's the best newest edition of Warhammer and we're going to have it, you know, last forever. We want this to be a forever edition. Then two years later, here's the newest version. I'm like that. That gets old. (laughs) That's fair. But they also like it's one of those things where the game has to be able. I don't think you can ever really have a forever edition of a game because like design philosophies are going to change things that they thought worked well, maybe didn't. And they need to go revisit them, stuff like that. So. No, for sure. I just, I don't know. There's a way they could do it. I just, you know, I hope they, I hope they do it correctly. And I hope they don't just get into this. Uh, my, my, my fear, I guess, is that like, as a business, they look at this and go, well, wait a minute. When we release a new edition, we sell a bunch of new books. We sell a bunch of new codexes. We sell a bunch of new gaming materials and starter boxes. If we do a new edition every other year, we'll sell this stuff all the time. And I, I don't want to get into that cycle. Yeah. No, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up the uh, new release notes of the week. And then we have our latest news, which was posted today. And they mentioned a little bit of this during the stream yesterday, but uh, that we are going to have a return to in-person events. So uh, as much as Warhammer fun as Warhammer Fest was, we're eager to get back to meeting you all in person and hearing the clatter of dice rolling across gaming tables. We have some news about a couple of events coming down the pike, and we just had to share it with you right away. Uh, Golden Demon is coming back. Uh, Golden Demon is one of our favorite events, and we cannot wait to make 
see it make a comeback after far too long an absence. In 2022, you can expect not one, but two major Golden Demon events, one in the UK and another at Adepticon. So they are definitely throwing in their full support on Adepticon coming back next year, which that is awesome. Yeah. And the other one, this is a new series of events, and I'm kind of disappointed at where it's... Lo- Dennis probably isn't that disappointed in where it's located, but I Only am. Only a few hours. It, it's a lot closer than it is to me than any of them are. But anyway, Warhammer Roadshow USA, completely new series of Warhammer events or Warhammer tournaments. So they're hosting tournaments across North America. The first events will take place in Orlando, New Orleans, Austin, and then there's going to uh, end in Los Angeles at the finals at their new Warhammer store and cafe in LA that opens up in June. Yeah. Um, 40k games will use the ninth edition rule set and the Warhammer Age of Sigmar tournaments will be the first in the world to use the third edition rules we just announced. Um, they don't really say where it's going to be the vac- uh, or when it's going to be exactly. But the venues at each location are gorgeous. We'll show you more later on. E- extra care has been taken to make sure there's plenty of room for social distancing with all the safety precautions you've come to expect. So expect masks, hand sanitizer, social distancing, etc. I will get- be highly tempted to go to the one in Austin. I don't blame you. I, I, I would be disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> 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 uh, you can get your hands on plenty of swag and exclusive offers. I will be sending you money to buy stuff <laughs> as yeah, well as having opportunities visit. to shop for models and merch, including forge world miniatures at every event. It, it feels like games day plus tournaments. Yeah. And the fact that it's GW running these events, these are not independent events that are being like just, endorsed by gw but actually gw hosting and running these events now i wouldn't be surprised if they're being run in coordination with uh, a certain organization out of california uh vegas now they are they oh they're based out of vegas now yeah they officially moved to vegas because uh, tax rates are cheaper <laughs> i mean but, and they were upfront about that and like now nope, it's easier to run a business out of vegas <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> but uh but yeah so um so yeah, I would not be surprised if Frontline is, if not helping them run these, uh, providing uh, like Import, coordination sure. and, and uh, yeah, just advising. And since this is the first announcement of these, who knows in future years, the, if they have three cities, they might rotate the three cities. But I do expect the finals will probably be at like the Citadel in Los Angeles each time. Yeah. 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 And once the Citadel opens in Los Angeles, I'm planning on trying to make a road trip and visiting it because I do, I do want to see that place. <laughs> but you haven't even seen this one here in in Texas. Yeah, but this so one's closer. It, this so one's it's much opening. Closer. So that one's opening June 12th. Yep. Which I will not be able there because I'm going to be back in Kansas City then. But I was actually so I was looking at. Uh, I was looking at Kansas, Sporting Kansas City's schedule, and they play in LA on June, uh, July fourth. So I might, I might see if if tickets are available for that game. I may make a trip to LA that weekend because <laughs> I then because I then don't have to work on that Monday either. So that may make it a long weekend. <laughs> so yeah, the the return to live events, in person events. I mean, we started to see it with GTs popping up as vaccination rates go up and people are getting used to just following the standard safety procedures at these events you know people are playing in person again so it's good to see and you know yeah 
I mean, I will admit I'm itching to get to some in-person events again. I I hear you. I hear you. I am going to try to attend uh, uh, Show Me Showdown, which I believe is in September this year. So yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be too long of a drive for me to get there. Sorry. Now nah, it'll pretty much be me attending, and that's fine. When I do when I do get uh, come home in June, though, I do want to try to get a game in with you and oh. Richard. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, there's going to be gaming. There, there's going to be gaming. You're, you're, you're not allowed not to. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to get back into like normal swing of things. <laughs> yes, it will be. It will be. But uh, that wraps up the, uh, the all the news and new releases this week. I mean, that was this week's news. Was all the news? All the news. <laughs> all the news. And so, like I said, no listener mail this episode. We're going to wrap up with a hobby progress. And just because I have, I actually had a number of things uh, this week. Um, first off, our KR orders came in and anybody on our <laughs> Facebook page saw the ridiculous stacks of cases that both Kevin and I ordered. It's only half. I know I still like I didn't order anything extra for my towel. I need to order cases for my like the Slanesh demons I have. I need to order stuff for the Stormcast Eternals I have. Um, So so you you guys over 30 cases yet? uh, Uh, It was 14 cases in this last order. Yeah. And then I've got easily that many in my, you know, in, in like boxes and stuff already. So, yeah, I'm probably at 30 cases. Let's and see. then I need to I, buy like another 15. I had 11 or 12. Some of the stuff I ordered was replacement foam for cases I already had because like they've got new sisters and death guard stuff. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Well, Rob's counting. I just thought of a game we probably don't want to do. Oh, nope. I don't want to do it. I, I know where this is going. I don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, we, we could have the, the listeners um, guesstimate how many Carl's each one of us individually has, has spent on our, our I only have 20 KR cases. I I don't I don't want to play this game. <laughs> I don't, I don't However, get, Richard did ask the obligatory how many Carls did you spend and I said one in change. That, that's what triggered <laughs> yeah. it in my mind. And you know, that's after the discount uh-huh, that we got for, uh-huh. you know, sponsorship. I will put it this way, I spent more. <laughs> yeah, no. I I I spent more than you did. <laughs> No, I know. I saw the numbers. I, I was, I was there. <laughs> but and that's still, like I said, that still doesn't cover everything. I have, I probably yeah. have another. I, I'll be probably at thirty cases by the time I'm done. Yeah. Well, like I said I ordered fourteen, and I have another at least fourteen that I need to order. Yeah, we have a problem. I am uh, way behind because. <laughs> yeah, I have two cases. <laughs> Those are rookie uh, numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those I numbers know. up. <laughs> I know, but just considering the fact that, like, I have like boxes and boxes of, yeah, you know, like starter boxes that just have loose unpainted miniatures in them. And like, oh, I have I, that too. I will need. I I I I I meant to actually add in some some cases that I needed to order, but well, we'll be making we'll be doing another one. Another so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing another one. So we'll tag you in when that happens. <sighs> yeah, I got to let my wallet recharge, though. We love you, KR. Thing- You're a great sponsor, though. <laughs> yeah, no, KR is fantastic. Uh, and there's a reason why we keep buying their products is because uh-huh. it is I- I'm still convinced it's some of the best transport 
Absolutely. Um, the other thing I did was I finally bought myself a new uh, airbrush comp- compressor. Uh, and one of the reasons I was doing that was my old one was starting to, well, it was tankless, so it always ran when you used it. And it mm-hmm. was starting to do the thing where I'd start running it, like I, I'd start having it blow air out and then it would just stop for a second and then kick back on. Yeah. Which is not good when you're trying to spray something. (laughs) So I went ahead and bought a tanked compressor off of Amazon, like a master brand tanked compressor. And I'm loving it. Uh, Yeah. That's what mine is. And it's great. Yeah. The, the airflow is nice and steady. I, I absolutely adore it. And I also bought a quick release, like a quick detach for my airbrush, which I'm still getting used to it. I accidentally detach it a number of times while working. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it's a light touch. Those Badger quick releases are have a light touch to them. So I have to yeah. kind of get used to that. But that gave me a chance to get the... I, I My first thing that I tested with that was priming my next batch of uh, Daughters of Cain, including Marathi, which... That is a model that terrifies me, but <laughs> but if I can handle, I've I've painted Mortarian, I can do this. I yeah, think. yeah, yep, yeah, so, for sure. So yeah, I'm 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 ex- I'm excited slash terrified to work on that, and then I've just been like going through reconsolidate. Oh, I put together my Lord of Virulence, and I also picked up. Um, I went. I was at uh, Peculiar Game and Hobby, and I saw that they had in stock. There's one of the things they did for Age of Sigmar was an Nvidian, the Nvidian Warhost, which was for uh, like Demons of Nurgle. Mm-hmm. And the reason I picked it up was because, like, I was originally I was just going to pick up uh, the uh, Slobbity Bile Piper and the Spoilpox Scrivener, like the two special heralds they have. And that box has both of them plus 20 Plague Bearers in it. Ooh. And you end up saving like 10 bucks buying it that way. And I'm like, well, they only like separate. They had one of the two models in stock. And I'm like, oh, but this one has both and a bunch more plague bears. So I bought that and I put together the two heralds and can't go wrong with plague bears. I can't go wrong with plague bears. Also, I never want to put together another Spoilpox Scrivener as long as I live. Um, <laughs> because and it's because like he's on a 40 mil base rather than a 32 uh, and so, cause his, like his stance is like really, his legs are spread really wide and he's got that big scroll that he's carrying. And like, I was doing this all with uh plastic cement, so it doesn't set immediately. And then at the end of the scroll, the scroll actually cuts in half or, or cuts near the end where it touches the base. And there's a second piece that has a nurgling holding the second part of the scroll that you have to line up with it just right. And so I'm like sitting here trying to fidget and adjust this thing and making sure that I haven't haven't separated any of the parts or thrown off the connections while I'm getting this all lined up because then the the uh, nurgling goes between his legs. So I have to like it all. It's this weird Mobius strip of pieces that you have to put together and get just right. I never want to have to do that. It sucks. <laughs> I also... Um, cleared out a whole bunch of old sprues and bits and a few like broken models that I had bought, like that I had gotten as lo- parts of like other lots and be like, I'm never going to fix this model. I'm, n- I'm never going to use these bits. These bits have no like, 
like they're so specific to the models that they were with and they're the extra options I didn't take that I had a whole trash bag full of sprues and bits that I got rid of. Nice. Yeah, so I know I, that I, feeling. I did that when I moved. Yeah, I'm just I'm kind of going through and and like doing house cleaning and figuring out like what are the things I absolutely want to keep and what are the things that are just uh, I'm just accumulating for no good which, reason. Which of these models sparks joy? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it, I'm kind of doing the Marie Kondo thing. It's like I I never have any plans to do anything with this, so it this this will yeah. be this will be discarded. That's fair. So that that has been my hobby progress is like getting my new stuff set back up and and kind of doing some house cleaning. Yeah, uh, for me it's you know kind of the same thing. Like getting, get I got all those fourteen kr multi cases, so now I need to start pulling the foam out and putting models in there and making sure that I've got everything I need and figuring out what what cases I need to buy next. One of the Warhammer stores here in uh, in Chandler just had their. Uh, I think second year anniversary. So they had the, um, I was able to pick up the new Necron overlord or cryptic or whatever. Um, the one that's like, I forget what his name is, but he's like the one that's like hunched over. So I picked him up and have put him together. It's amazing to me because some of the Necron models are super easy to build and some are just like super fiddly. I, I don't quite get it. Like there's no in between. They're either super easy or super complicated, but yeah, that's really kind of all I've done is, uh, pick that up, put that model together and, uh, now I just got to start getting stuff into the foam cases. I guess for me, I don't remember if I told you guys I finished putting together the emulator. Uh, no, I don't think you did. Cool. Yeah, that thing is a pain to put together, just by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the uh, so many extra parts on the Rhino chassis, as we talked about earlier. Yep. Um, no, it does look really cool done, though. And I, I hate admitting this, but I kind of want another one someday. Uh, <laughs> But the, I guess the biggest thing I did was the Crimson Court, since I've been on the Underworld's kick because it's, it's very small peoples, got that picked up and painted and played with. So that was probably the extent of my major hobby progress due to the fact, well, work's been very, very busy lately. Yeah, that segues into me pretty good because it's the busy season at, at work for me. And let's see, I worked... 46 hours before my vacation day on Friday. Oof. And, and last week was basically the same, only I didn't have the vacation day. So Ugh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And next week will probably be the same. So oh. I, I don't have any really any hobby progress. Uh, that's okay. Life happens like that sometimes. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of Preferred Enemies. We'll be recording again in a couple of weeks, so maybe two and a half weeks or so until our next episode. But we wanted to make sure we had this one out there and got it out while it was still fresh and wanted to have you, you know, have you something to listen to that wasn't just us talking about ourselves over the last 10 years. So uh, we'll be back then. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I am your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night. Good gaming. And there's some goodness coming down the pipes.
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, And when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. 